There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, your home for deer hunting news, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon. This is episode number 187. And today in the show, we've got another edition of Rut Radio, in which we're getting real-time from-the-field reports on deer and rutting activity from across the country and the tactics that you can be applying to your own hunts right now. All right, welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, and we are back with another episode of Rut Radio. And as you can tell, I'm back in my mobile recording studio, uh, which means no studio at all. I'm in a hotel room in Seattle, Washington at the moment. Um, but Spencer, thankfully, is is keeping things locked down over in the Midwest still. And uh, you're going to make sure we've got a good episode here, not me just talking on myself all day, right? That's right. Uh, but you have not been hunting in a while, right? I mean, that has to feel significantly different than what the first 20 days of your November was like. Oh, yeah. Um, it's been a need to take, you know, I was planning on taking some R&R here during this time period, and then a few other things came up that caused me to take a little bit more time off than I originally planned, but that's been good. I needed, needed to um, take care of some things in the real world and kind of get myself back up and ready after that marathon. So uh, I haven't hunted in the last nine days, I don't think, um, but I'll be... I'll be starting again tomorrow and then hitting it hard throughout the next you know, month or so, final month or so of the season, Michigan and Ohio. Um, so, so with that being the case, though, Spencer, I, uh, I'm going to be selfishly, selfishly, uh, selfishly, yeah, I'm saying the word right, <laughs> struggling today, Spencer. Um, I'm going to be more interested than usual in hearing about what everyone else is seeing um, because I haven't been hunting in so long that I need this Intel mouse. So I think, you know, if you're new to the show and you're listening right now and you haven't turned off the podcast yet since I stumble on my words so badly, if you're still listening, the point of these Rut Radio episodes, if you're not familiar, is to get you up to speed on what's happening across the whitetail world this week. So we check in with a handful of hunters from all across the country, from different states, 
to find out what kind of rutting activity are they seeing, what kind of deer behavior are they seeing, what kind of tactics are working. Um, and that's our game plan for today. Um, have you been, have you been out Spencer? Do you have anything to contribute to this one? I do not besides, uh, just what I've heard from our contacts this week and those being Bo Martonic from Pennsylvania in the journal of mountain hunting. Then we go to Illinois from bowhunting.com is Justin Zarr. And then in Wyoming, we talked to Mark Kaiser with North American whitetail. And then we talked to Dustin Lutt in Kansas from Rockhouse motion. And so, there has been success, though, in this week's episode. Uh, both Justin and Dustin tagged out on some really good deer. Dustin, in particular, a buck that went over 200 inches. So that's our, our last interview and a really fun one to hear. But there's kind of an agreement this week among our four contacts. Uh, individually, they don't talk to each other and know what the other one's going to say. But they all kind of feel that we've hit this uh, sort of awkward transition where the best rutting is behind us. You know, you're not going to find that midday movement. Um, you know, the sign making is is slower now than it has been over the last month. And we're not quite to that point, though, of where, you know, all the deer herded up and they're just focused on food sources. So this is kind of a, a tweener time right now. Um, you'll hear some different numbers for what people think it's going to be on a scale of 1 to 10, but for the most part, a lot of guys are looking beyond the next seven days and, you know, focusing on when the deer are going to be looking back to, to get on some food sources and, and the weather pushes them there. Man, I, it's crazy talking about this um, and realizing that, you know, November is pretty much gone. You know, it's done. It's gone. You know, we, we look forward to it all year and then I feel like it's just here and gone in a snap of the fingers, don't you think? Yeah, and, and the strange part has been that the weather doesn't feel like that, at least for you know where I'm at in the Midwest. I'm in southeastern South Dakota. We had some record highs over Thanksgiving and stuff, and normally we're dealing with like a, a foot of snow on the ground. So that's another reason why this early December period, um, a lot of guys aren't too optimistic right now that we've been talking to because you know the deer are not forced to, to get on those food plots early and, and uh, you know, they don't have to they can still hit some acorns and some other oddball food sources and, and things like that so it won't be your normal early december but like i said beyond that uh there's a lot of optimism well i'm interested to hear the reports um since i said i, I need that help myself so i think i'll stop rambling and uh and let you take it from here is there anything else spencer we need to cover before we get to our our rut reports I don't think so, Mark. We're just waiting for some uh, closure on Holyfield, so get get that done for <sighs> us. I'm going to do my best. I will hopefully know here in the next couple of days whether the story continues or not, and then uh, I've got a serious plans for the next month to get after him. So uh, to be continued. All right. We'll talk to you next week, Mark. Thanks, Spencer. Before we get to our first update, though, let's pause to thank our sponsors at Sitka Gear. And for this week's Sitka story, we're joined by Mike Massey, who tells us about how some quick decision-making resulted in a big buck. So I'll tell you about a fun little fun hunt I had. It was uh, November 2015, got a call late September from a guy that owned a piece of farmland up there. And um, I bought a ticket two days later to go check this lease out that came available. Within 30 minutes of being on the ground, I was uh, I called him back and I said, absolutely, I'll take it. So... Fast forward real quick, two day, two weeks later, I ended up buying a bunch of sets. We got up there, hung four sets. Two weeks later, it was beginning of November. 
second day into the hunt, we uh, laid our eyes on this deer. Uh, couldn't even get in to check the trail cameras because the wind were wrong. But uh, it was the third sighting that we really realized that this was our shooter. So we had a big front coming in that afternoon, decided to get out of the tree stand a little early, go hang the set by look, after looking at the map in a pinch point. Pulled the set, went in there, hung it up, saw the, neck, the weather supposed to be beautiful, high pressure, clear in the morning, got in there early. Within an hour and a half, this deer was dead. So it just goes to show you to being aggressive, looking at your map and your terrain can really get, has really worked well for me to get some, get a lot of good whitetail on the ground. On Mike's hunt, he was wearing Sitka's Stratus system. If you'd like to create a Sitka story of your own, or to learn more about Sitka's technical hunting apparel, visit SitkaGear.com. All right, and joining me on the line first out of Pennsylvania is Bo Martonic, a field editor with the Journal of Mountain Hunting. Now, Bo, in Pennsylvania, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? I think in the last couple of weeks, the buck activity has actually ramped up to about a 7 um, with uh, with a little bit of changes in the last few days with, with gun season coming in, but it's been uh, it's been pretty good, actually. So I know that you're tagged out in Pennsylvania, um, but if you were still hunting, how would you handle uh, the recent gun season opening? To be honest, I would get as close uh, to cover as you possibly can because Pennsylvania is well known for a lot of hunters entering the woods, especially these first couple of days and weekends, and they seem to really hold tight and into the thick cover at that time. Now, are you still running any trail cameras, and if so, what are you seeing on those? Yeah, yeah, I am still running trail cameras. I just uh, just pulled them out of the woods this weekend prior to gun season opening, but uh, I'm seeing a lot of scrape activity that seem to open back up. These scrapes kind of closed down through the, the first couple weeks of November there, but have, have opened up, and uh, mature bucks cruising hitting those scrapes in the middle of the day recently well that that's pretty cool to see some midday movement but how about are you seeing a trend either towards uh, morning movement or evening movement at this point to be honest most of it's been just middle of the day uh, a lot of there was a couple bucks that i had on the 23rd that were moving between one and two in the afternoon and a couple other ones that i had between 10 and 11 so more midday movement than i than morning or evening and this, and just to give you kind of a background, my where I'm hunting at is is in the big woods, a little bit different. Not, uh, not I don't have them centered around food sources or anything, just on uh, on scrapes. So, well, speaking of those food sources, how uh, do those change this time of year as we get into December versus what they were? I think the last time we talked to you in mid October, they're just in the in the I guess in the big woods area that I'm familiar with. They are just feeding on browse right now and any sort of acorns that may be left and then some of the areas a few some of the areas in pennsylvania had a pretty good acorn crop and there's still a lot of them on the ground in those places so they're revisiting those a little bit and but for the most part it's uh the bucks that i'm hunting in the areas that i'm familiar with are, are feeding on browse now, do you have any strong feelings one way or the other about uh, either weather fronts or moon phases this time of the year? I, I still think weather fronts. I, I'm a big proponent of the weather fronts, and my cameras have shown it just in the last, I mean, the last three years I've been just logging all the data with big weather fronts. It really correlates with the, with the daylight movement. 
And um, this November has been pretty good for Pennsylvania, and I think it's because we've had a lot of a lot of cold weather, and then uh, some days will warm up, and then have another cold spell again, but never stayed warm for more than a more than a couple of days. So that's been very helpful. Well, Bo, you talked about how you hunt uh, the big woods of Pennsylvania, but I know you have some contacts that are more involved with some of the urban hunting. And how do you think that changes this time of year as we get into the beginning of December? Yeah, well, in some of the urban areas here, uh, a lot of them, they don't allow um, gun hunting at all, and some of them are just shotgun hunting. But this time of year, the, the woods are definitely filled up with a lot more uh, a lot more people. So it's, it's more of a, as far as patterning goes, even in these urban areas, it's uh it, it's kind of a, a shoot there they can be can do just about anything at, at this moment but if you find an area that's unpressured um i think that they're still moving quite a bit uh some of the people that, that i've been talking to it had uh showed me some of their trail cam pictures in the last couple of weeks and it was pretty similar to what i'm seeing in, in the big woods as far as movement goes going forward then in this next week or so what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to ten I would put it at a three, just with so much hunter activity in the in the woods at this time. I think they're really gonna gonna shut down the movement, and it's not gonna be any you know really weather related, unless you have a a pretty good size of property that doesn't get um doesn't get pushed out or doesn't get uh, you know a lot of human activity. I think it's gonna be very slow. All right, Bo. Well, congrats on the great season thus far, and thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks, Spencer. All right, and joining me on the line next is Justin Zarr, the general manager of bowhunting.com in Illinois. Now, Justin, in Illinois, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? Uh, I'd give it probably a 6, 6.5. You know, when you look at the rut, I've always kind of looked at it as a bell curve, right? It kind of peaks somewhere in in early to mid-November, and then it starts kind of winding down from there. I think we're on the backside of that of that bell curve right now. Um, I'm not seeing the, you know, super, super intense rut activity that you may have seen earlier in the month, but the bucks are definitely still on their feet, uh, during daylight hours, uh, which is the key for, for us hunters doesn't do us much good if they're only moving at, at night. Uh, so yeah, the bucks are definitely still on their feet. A lot of guys shooting deer, uh, this past weekend, I saw some pretty good, uh, daylight buck activity. So yeah, definitely still an opportunity to get out there and shoot a, a nice deer. Well, a lot of guys shooting deer in one of them was you, Justin. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that hunt? <laughs> yeah, um, I'll be honest with you. I'm kind of shortened to the point. I uh, decided to try my hand at some public land hunting this last weekend. I wasn't having much much success on, on the private ground, so I just used some topo maps and some aerial uh, maps, Google Earth, to figure out an area I wanted to go into, um, kind of back in some deep timber. Uh, I figured that with all the pressure from the firearm season here in Illinois, plus it being public land, that hunting field edges probably wasn't the best idea. I wanted to get into some cover. So I went back in the timber, found a good saddle that kind of connected two or three ridges, Uh, went in there on Saturday, hung a stand, uh, passed a nice two-and-a-half-year-old buck uh, Saturday night after I watched him bump some does around for about an hour. And then uh, Sunday morning, uh, had a real nice mid-140s buck, uh, bumped some does right underneath my stand and managed to put a good shot on them. So, uh, as they say, even a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. So I like to chalk it up as a little bit of luck, hopefully a little bit of skill as well, but, uh, I'll definitely take it. Well, Justin, what are you seeing for sign making at this point? Uh, have rubs and scrapes gone cold? Do you think? Yeah. I mean, 
I don't think they've gone totally cold. I don't see the bigger bucks are really hitting the, the like the ground scrape part of it, right? The part that when we think of a scrape, pawing the ground out, I'm not seeing that. Uh, but I was able to watch some scrapes, and I have a lot of my cameras still on scrapes, and the deer is still checking them. Most of the bucks are still just, you know, sniffing them or working the licking branches or not necessarily working the ground. Uh, they're definitely still rubbing as well. I mean, the deer I shot had a lot of fresh bark, uh, you know, in his antlers. Um, again, I think we're on the backside of that bell curve, so that activity is going to taper down. But they're definitely still both rubbing and scraping, sure. Now, Justin, with uh, the weather being pretty mild thus far, if, if that trend continues, would you still focus on food sources in these next couple of weeks, or uh, do you think that nicer weather is uh, you know, going to have them elsewhere? Yeah, you know, I think for the next week or so with these mild temperatures, I mean, deer are still going to feed. Whether they are going to feed out in the open during daylight is another question. Um, that's the thing. Like when, Once we get into late season and those really cold temperatures, they have to feed. They don't have a choice. Uh, whether they've been pressured or not. I think right now with some of these mild temperatures, I mean, a lot of the deer I saw were still picking acorns off the ground in the woods, so it's probably not going to force them out into the open food sources as much as we would like uh, as hunters. So I would still focus on, you know, some of those, you know, I'd key in on bedding areas or even, you know, the travel routes in between bedding areas. Those bucks are still going to move, you know, a little bit during daylight and just, you know, look for those last estrus does. Um, in my experience, the first estrus does are usually that very last couple days of October. Uh, so now we're looking at, you know, 28 to 30 days later, there are any does that started to come into estrus then and didn't get bred, potentially coming back into estrus now. Uh, so, yeah, I think that, um, you know, buck activity is still going to be pretty good, but I'd key in more on, you know, those uh, bedding areas and, and travel rather than solely just hunting food at this point. Well, going forward then in this next week or so, Justin, what do you think the buck activity is going to look like on a scale of 1 to 10 in Illinois? Well, we got second firearm season coming up here pretty soon, so there's going to be a lot of deer moving just because of the pressure in the woods. Um, but I'm going to probably back it down to maybe like a 5 for the next week. You know, these mild temperatures aren't helping anything. Um, and as we get later into the season, we're, we're just going to see a little bit less buck activity. Still a good opportunity to shoot a deer. I, I still firmly believe that bucks will be on their feet during daylight moving uh, for a couple more weeks here yet before the late season really sets in. Um, so, yeah, still still a good opportunity to get out there and be able to harvest the deer. All right, Justin. Well, congrats on that great public land deer, and thanks for joining me. Thanks, Spencer. Before we get to our next caller, though, let's pause to thank our sponsors at Whitetail Properties. This week with Whitetail Properties, we are joined by Tim Woods, a land specialist out of central Ohio. And Tim is going to be telling us about what to look for when booking your very first outfitted hunt. Well, I guess I would say if you're looking to book with your, your first outfitted hunt, um, first thing I'll do is, you know, maybe maybe not go right to social media. I know social media is big th- at this day and age, but you, you want to find an outfitter that is not out there pounding his chest a lot, um, you know, saying, look at me, look at what we can do. Um, you know, from my experience, you know, being that, you know, I am an outfitter, you know, and I see a lot of, a lot of guys doing a lot of stuff on social media, which is great. You know, they're, they're promoting the sport and they're promoting their business. Um, but they, it seems like they need, they need the hunters, you know, uh, if you want to look for an outfitter that, that is, that doesn't do a whole lot of advertising because they don't need to, because they've got a returning client base that, you know, that they cater to and, they're just from word of mouth is, is the best 
you know, business model you can have as far as taking care of the people and treating them right. And they're always going to come back. And if they can't come back, they're going to have their buddies come in their place and so forth. So uh, if you look at the book, your first first outfitted hunt, uh, get some references from that outfitter and call them and see how they treated them, you know, whether they killed or didn't kill. If you'd like to learn more and to see the properties that Tim currently has listed for sale, visit whitetailproperties.com backslash woods. That's W-O-O-D-S. All right, and joining us on the line next is freelance outdoor writer and TV host, Mark Kaiser in Wyoming. Now, Mark, in Wyoming, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? You know, I'd say it's still probably registering at about 6 to 7, if not 8. It's starting to tick down a little bit because the rut is about... Uh, over here in Wyoming, as it is in much of the northern part of the country. But over the weekend, I was hunting with my son, and I was just shocked at the amount of buck activity we were seeing yet. Now, a lot of that was young buck activity. Those three-year-olds are, you know, they're just runners. That's what they want to do the entire rut. So you were seeing a lot of that. I think the mature bucks we're starting to realize that, you know, I'm going to run a little bit in the morning, maybe a little bit in the afternoon, but I'm not running all day. So you're definitely seeing a downward trend in those mature bucks. But I was I was still pretty optimistic, pretty excited about what I was seeing over the weekend, over the Thanksgiving holiday. With it being the Thanksgiving holiday, did you notice an increase in hunting pressure at all, and how did that change things for you? I did notice uh, an increase in hunting pressure, and why not? Everyone's got the weekend off. A lot of people make a long weekend of it. They get Thursday off, but but some get Friday off. Many take Friday off, and people in my neck of the woods, they're just not Black Friday shoppers. They are Black Friday hunters, so they were out in force, and that also caused some buck movement, some deer movement. You've always got to be ready for that. People out in the woods pushing deer to you, pushing deer away from you, and you need to strategize around those hunters. So I took a lot of that in consideration as well as I was out hunting uh, with my son, trying to figure out the best places to be. And, And my main strategy for outwitting hunters is to always, number one, get up way earlier and get into position in the dark so you get the first crack at those first movements during the very first minutes of shooting light. And then the other thing I do is I always try to go into a little rougher country, maybe across a creek, somewhere where it's muddy and people can't get their trucks to, uh, maybe some rugged buttes people can't get up into, but somewhere where you're always setting yourself apart from the average hunter who doesn't want to go the extra mile. Would you use any calling tactics this late in November, or is that something you'd put away for a while? I actually did do some rattling over the uh, weekend and use my grunt call. Now, I'm not using it so much as an attraction to bring deer running into me, but what I was doing is we were hunting some real thick cover, and when deer would pass through shooting lanes, if they were close, I could grunt at them just to get them to pause, and if they are further out there, say 200, 300, 400 yards, I would rattle, again, just enough to make them stop so we could get an evaluation, field judge them, and when they stopped, if if the green light was given, we could get a shot off. So the calling is 
kind of waning again. It's not quite as good as it was, obviously, in pre-rut, you know, late October, the first couple weeks of November. But you can still utilize it as a um, as a great strategy to get a shot off. And it you never know. It may bring a deer just coming in out of curiosity. Well, what are some of your favorite tactics to use in these next couple weeks as we approach that secondary rut? Right now, hunters have to be ready for the big shutdown. These older deer are just about there, if not there already. They realize that most of the does have been bred. The younger bucks are what you're seeing moving. So what you want to do for a strategy now is locate food. These deer are body-wise down about 20 to 25% on their body mass. So to get ready for the big storms coming, you know, the winter storms, whether you're in the Midwest where you'll get high uh, high winds and rain and snow mixed together up north where you get a lot of snow like where I am, they've got to get some uh, nutrition back in their body to start building up some body fat. Look for food. And then the other thing you want to be on the lookout is for good refuge. Now, when you uh, find these two areas, sanctuary and food together, you're going to find not only the bucks hiding out close by, raiding the refrigerator, but these does are going in there. And in about two weeks, some of these does that weren't bred, some of the younger does, maybe some that just got missed, they'll come back into estrus. And you'll see a flurry of activity. I've seen some rutting activity around the 10th, 12th, 13th of December that rivals anything in mid-November. So you need to be ready for that. Albeit it could be a very brief window, it might be the window you need to fill a tag yet, especially if you're uh, archery hunting in one of these northern states yet or, or maybe have a late-season muzzleloader tag in hand. Uh, now, now in Wyoming here, our seasons are shutting down. They're all shutting down on November 30th, so it's going to be a little hard to go hunting for deer after that. But Nebraska is a, you know has December muzzleloading uh, the entire season. South Dakota next door to me has archery. Uh, hunting going on so there's there are options out there where you can take advantage of this food sanctuary situation going forward then this next week or so what do you think that buck activity is going to look like on a scale of one to ten in wyoming i think uh for the last few days of the whitetail season here in wyoming it's going to trickle off to about three or four within the next uh, five to six days for sure. It's it's definitely the rutting activity is going to go down. And then again, what you're going to have to focus on is food. Now, Wyoming deer and western whitetails tend to act a little differently than their eastern cousins or midwestern cousins. They will move around in the daylight hours, but it'll be a little more cautious and they'll be a little more reserved. So you'll still see, see deer up and on their feet, but, uh, again, it won't be running around rutting. They're going to be moving casually to food sources in a very careful and cautious manner. All right, Mark. That's great intel, and uh, thanks for joining me this week. Oh, thanks. Thanks a lot for having me on. All right, and joining me on the line next in Kansas, a partner with Rock House Motion, is Dustin Lutt. Now, Dustin, in Kansas, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? I would say lately the buck activity has probably been, you know, around a seven. Uh, I think we're at the tail end of the rut here. They're catching those last does. They're getting off of lockdown and starting to look again. And if they're not looking again, I think they're, uh, you know, starting to hit food sources, get that energy back. So I would say it's at a seven, uh, slowing down. It'll probably drop and then go back up here in about a, a week or two. 
Well, Dustin, on a scale of 1 to 10, the buck you just killed uh, was a 10. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that <laughs> one? 200-plus uh, inches, I believe. Yeah, I think he's going to gross around uh, 215 um, and net around 204 is what we came up with. So he's he's an incredible deer, man, a, a dream for sure. So in, in that buck, I would say, I mean, he was probably on the recovery stage of the rut. Um, I hadn't had pictures of him for uh, about 22 days, I believe, is what my cameras had told me. And I think he ruts in a different area, and he was coming back, um, you know, for food. And I got pictures of him the night before I shot him and uh, was able to sneak between his bedding area and the food source and catch him on his way back. Um, and, yeah, I just lucked out. I couldn't believe uh, it happened. I thought for sure he was, you know, possibly dead being gone that long. Um but it worked out great, and he, he came back to his home range. Um, so, yeah. Well, Dustin, it looks like a couple of your buddies have had some great success here recently, too, with some other uh, you know giants, a 180, a 200. What have those hunts been like for them? Were they also focusing on bucks that were recovering from the rut? Yeah, those bucks were both shot here in the last two weeks. They were uh, actually both on lockdown with those, uh, the first one being – Scott White's, which is an incredible non-typical deer. He's uh, 226 inches, uh, another, you know, buck of a lifetime. And he was able to sneak into his tree stand. That buck was bedded with the doe uh, 50 yards from his tree stand. Um, and he's able to sneak in. And about an hour later, the buck came in following the doe as she, she came into a food source. And so that buck was on lockdown. Um, another buddy, uh, Kyle Martin with Mossy Oak Properties, he, uh, was out checking cameras midday and uh as i think it was about lunchtime when he texted me uh, that he had shot the buck and that buck was bedded along a, a riverbank with the doe on lockdown and he was able to sneak within 40 yards on the ground and uh get a shot at that buck so um i think the the lockdown phase you know where they're they're bedded with the does all day is probably on the tail end uh with the mature does um and they're going to be hitting food sources hard and then here in about a week i think it'll pick up uh where they're looking for the the young does coming into estrus again what are your thoughts on sign making right now uh, are you seeing any deer still using rubs and scrapes uh rubs i haven't seen any of that lately um scrapes um they were dead here for about three weeks on my cameras and i'm just starting to get bucks checking those again starting to see some does using again so uh, i think scrapes are a good way to keep track of your deer still with trail cameras um, as they're looking for those final does. Well, Dustin, you referenced uh, a recovery phase here for the deer that are winding down from the rut. What are some of your favorite Mm -hmm. tactics then, Um, hunting similar to how you killed this other big buck, just focusing on food? Yeah, focusing on food. I think, uh, you know, green green food plot sources that really haven't been good most November. Um, the, The plot that my buck was going on the the night before i shot him was actually a, a turnip and oats plot um you know so he's going back and getting that protein uh trying to, to build up so i think food sources are really a, a good way here now for a little while and uh honestly i was preparing to you know hunt this buck late december um you know so really focusing on food sources as we you know get into the colder weather here now, how do you think weather fronts change things at this point uh, with the best hunting days behind us? Say we get a cold front or a, a week of warmer weather. What do you think that does to the buck movement? 
yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's still, still the end of the rut. So you never know what's going to happen. Um, you know, warm weather, it's still worth getting in the tree, but, um, your best times are, are definitely going to be when you get the cold fronts coming in, uh, snow would be ideal, even though it's really warm here in Kansas. I think if we get a, a cold front, um, rifle season starts here on Wednesday, if they get a, you know, cold front during that season, um, there'll probably be a lot of, a lot of good bucks going down. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to 10 in Kansas? I would say in the next week here, you're, you're looking at probably a six or a seven, uh, as far as the rut activity goes. Um, and then winding down after that. All right, Dawson. Well, congrats again on the amazing buck and thanks for joining me. Thank you very much. And that concludes this week's episode of Wired Hunts Rut Radio. We'd like to thank all of you for listening and thank our sponsors at Sitka Whitetail Properties, Whitetail Institute, Yeti, Matthews, Maven, Trophy Ridge, and Hontera. We'd also like to thank those who contribute to the podcast uh, with their great reports. If you'd like more info on the bucks that Justin and Dustin just killed this week with Justin, you can check out Bow Hunter Die. Uh, with Dustin, you can check out his Instagram, Dustin underscore Rockhouse, where you'll see some amazing imagery of that awesome buck. Good luck to everyone who still has a tag in their pocket, and I hope that December treats you well. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more.